98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines, the health minister says a full lockdown is not off the table as the SAR prepares for mass testing. There's a call for urgent action to bring in staff to care for Hong Kong's elderly people. And as the Ukraine crisis intensifies, the UN General Assembly will go into emergency session later today. The Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, says the government hasn't ruled out implementing a lockdown while it tests everyone in the SAR for COVID-19 next month. Officials have said all 7 million residents will be tested three times in an effort to contain the latest COVID wave. Appearing on a commercial radio program, Professor Chan was asked whether a full lockdown was off the table. We are still discussing the matter. From the public health perspective, we should maximize the effectiveness of the universal testing program. To achieve this, we need to reduce the flow of people. People should not go out or they should stay home as far as possible. The chairman of the Elderly Services Association, Kenneth Chen, says officials must act fast to resolve a manpower crisis that's left care homes short of staff. His comments came after the government said it would allow care homes to skip the usual procedures for bringing in workers from outside Hong Kong by removing a requirement to advertise locally first. A thousand staff from the mainland will also come to work in COVID treatment centers to which many care home residents have been moved. Many care workers have contracted COVID, and Mr. Chan says help can't come soon enough. The minimum time frame for these 1,000 temporary mainland workers hired by the Social Welfare Department to come to Hong Kong is within two weeks. It's the same for recruiting imported workers through the supplementary labor scheme. It also has to be done in two weeks' time in order to be in time to combat the crisis. If not, it will lead to a more disastrous situation. Medical experts have stressed the importance of setting up an efficient reporting system and giving out clear instructions for millions of rapid test kits that are being distributed as part of the fight against COVID-19. Speaking on RTHK's COVID update program, University of Hong Kong pathology scholar John Nichols said many elderly people found the tests difficult to use and may struggle to report the results if the system relied on online reporting. Raymond Cho, a specialist in respiratory medicine, said officials figure, official figures did not yet reflect positive rapid tests. A lot of people didn't really report it after they did the self-testing. Mm-hmm. These are the data from the lab uh, and also from the private lab and from the government lab. So with a lot of the people that relied on their self-testing, those numbers are not in within those systems. So so I, I would think that the 26,000 is an underestimate for the new cases yesterday. Property developer New World says it's planning to offer free hotel stays for medical workers to help them rest after working long hours and reduce the risk of spreading COVID to their families. New World also says a makeshift hospital on a site it donated in Fanling should be ready soon, with developer China State Construction International moving prefabricated parts in already. Mainland Media said the SAR's first temporary hospital with almost 4,000 beds is expected to be completed today. The Financial Secretary Paul Chan says he's adding help for small landlords to a budget proposal that will see a ban on evictions for specified commercial businesses. Speaking on a radio program, Mr. Chan said the changes were improvements based on feedback after last week's budget. The government will guarantee loans of up to $100,000 for struggling small landlords and will also 
prevent banks from trying to collect on their debts for a specified time. He defended the eviction protection proposal. Just now you asked, is this something against a free market? In this current shock, we really need everyone to help each other out. We can see that this proposed arrangement was adopted in Britain, Singapore and other places, which like us are also market economies. So what we hope to do through this proposal is to give people the time to solve problems. Overseas, the UN Security Council has voted to hold a rare special session of the General Assembly to discuss Russia's military intervention in Ukraine. Today's meeting is part of Western efforts to isolate Moscow. Russia was the only country to vote against the resolution, but couldn't block it because it was procedural. Its UN representative, Vasily Nemenzia, accused member states of lying about Russia's actions. His words are spoken by an interpreter. And today, during this meeting, once again, we hear lies, deceit and fakes about the indiscriminate shelling of Ukrainian cities, hospitals and schools. The Russian army does not threaten civilians in Ukraine. It's not shelling civilian infrastructure. Ukraine's UN envoy, Sergei Kislytsia, said civilian areas were being targeted in response to the resilience of the armed forces. We sincerely believe that the uh, Russian atrocities in Ukraine mount to violation of many, many international treaties, including the one that we cite when we sent our request to the court. And I can assure you, when the war is over, and the war is going to be over, and we will uh, win, the UN will win, the UN Charter will be defended. Uh, the perpetrators of those atrocities, uh, including the President of the Russian Federation, will be held accountable. We seek peace. We seek uh, the stopping of hostilities, withdrawal of troops. We will not capitulate. We will not surrender. The United States has condemned Russia for putting its nuclear forces on high alert. U.S. officials say the announcement by President Putin was unnecessary, adding it was an escalation that risked dangerous miscalculations. Linda Thomas-Greenfield is the American ambassador to the U.N. This is another escalatory and unnecessary step that threatens us all. We urge Russia to tone down its dangerous rhetoric regarding nuclear weapons. The Pentagon declined to say whether the stance of the U.S. nuclear arsenal had changed. Mr. Putin said he'd been forced to act because of aggressive anti-Russia statements by NATO countries. European Union members have backed initial plans to take in all Ukrainian refugees for up to three years without the need for them to apply for asylum. The matter was discussed by interior ministers as the bloc stepped up its response to Russia's actions in Ukraine. The Estonian interior minister is Christian Jani. We have to be united within EU and, of course, with Ukraine. We have to provide different kinds of uh, humanitarian help and, of course, military help for those brave Ukrainians who are fighting right now for the freedom of Ukraine. And Estonia has done a lot on this field and will continue to do it. And, of course, we cannot forget more refugees. We have to help them. The EU estimates about 300,000 Ukrainians have arrived since Russia began military action on Thursday. 
Air France and Finnair have suspended flights to and from China, Korea, and Japan while they make plans to avoid Russian airspace amid expectations Russia will ban flights from EU carriers. Both airlines suspended flights from Hong Kong earlier because of the COVID situation. The EU announced a ban on Russian airlines as a part of a package of measures over Russia's military action in Ukraine. The EU chief is Ursula von der Leyen. We are shutting down the EU airspace for Russians. We're proposing a prohibition on all Russian-owned, Russian-registered and Russian-controlled aircraft. These aircraft will no more be able to land in, take off or overfly the territory of the European Union. This will apply to any plane owned, chartered or otherwise controlled by a Russian legal or natural person so let me be very clear, our airspace will be closed to every Russian plane, and that includes the private jets of oligarchs too. She also said the decision to provide funding for the purchase and delivery of arms to Ukraine was a watershed moment for our union. At the same press conference, the EU's foreign policy chief, Joseph Borrell, said the conflict in Ukraine requires the EU's engagement. I will propose to use the European peace facility for two emergency assistance measures to finance the supply of lethal material to the Ukrainian army, as well as urgently needed fuel, protective equipment and medical supplies. Severe flooding in Australia is now known to have killed at least seven people. More than 2,000 homes are underwater in parts of Queensland and New South Wales after days of heavy rain. Residents have been told to leave affected areas. Anastasia Belashak is the Premier of Queensland. Even though this flood is uh, not like the 2011 floods, and, I'll, and the Bureau will give you more details, but... In 2011, the flood peak in Brisbane was 4.46. The flood peak is uh, 3.85 and now falling. It is still a significant event. And I think everyone would agree, uh, no one has seen this amount of rain in such a short period of time uh, over our entire southeast catchment zone. In financial news... The impact of sanctions imposed on Russia by the United States, the European Union and others is beginning to be felt as the military operation in Ukraine goes into its fifth day. The Russian currency, the ruble, has plunged by 30% in early trading. Russia has sought to reassure savers that their deposits are safe. The BBC's Grant Ferret reports. The economic and financial sanctions against Russia are of a different order to any imposed before. The targeting of the central bank in Moscow and moves to limit access to the SWIFT international payment messaging system are particularly disruptive. In the EU, regulators say subsidiaries of the state-owned Russian firm Spurbank in Austria, Croatia and Slovenia are on the brink of collapse. The Russian authorities insist they have unlimited rubles and huge reserves of foreign currency to ensure the stability of the system. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 22,455. That's 309 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $72.5 billion. And in currencies, a short time ago, the U.S. dollar will buy you 115.52 yen. The euro was at 1 U.S. dollar and 11 cents. And the pound was worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 42 cents. 
In sport, Liverpool are celebrating their English League Cup triumph after beating Chelsea on penalties at Wembley. It was a dream final for Liverpool's Irish goalkeeper, Quavine Kelleher. He got the start ahead of the first-choice Allison and rewarded his manager by keeping a clean sheet through 120 minutes while being the last penalty taker to score. Kelleher says Allison has been very supportive. It's a, it's a final. Um, I think you saw Chelsea change their goalie as well. So not to get the fade from Jurgen was special. And, and Ali, he's just been great with me. He was there was no sulking or anything like that. He was just totally focused, and he just nah, he's been really helpful for me as well. The trophy went to Liverpool after the Chelsea goalkeeper Kepa Erizabalaga missed his penalty kick. Thomas Tuchel replaced Edward Mendy with Kepa for the penalty shootout, and the Chelsea boss defended his decision after the game. Yeah, but I don't think so that a lot of people were surprised. We did it in the European Super Cup and, and, and we said we will do it again because uh, we have, we have uh, statistically proof that uh, Kepa is slightly better and, and uh, goalkeeping in a, in, a, in a penalty shootout is a total isolated uh, discipline. It has nothing to do with, uh, with, uh, with a normal goalkeeping, so we, we did it. Uh, today he, he could not save one in the opposite. He, he missed it. This comes with decisions. It's like this. We take the decisions when they need to be taken. And um, it's easy to, to judge decisions after when you know the result. World football's governing body, FIFA, has said that no international matches will be played in Russia. It's one of a number of measures taken in response to the military action in Ukraine. The BBC's Natalie Perks is at Wembley Stadium in London and has more details. FIFA has confirmed tonight that they will not be allowed to compete as Russia in any FIFA competition. They will instead be called the Football Union of Russia and will have to play without their flag, as you say, their anthem, their fans, and uh, not in their own country. FIFA has also said they could be excluded entirely if the situation in Ukraine doesn't improve rapidly. Poland has already said this stance is completely unacceptable and they're not interested in participating in this game of appearances. In tennis, Rafael Nadal maintained his unbeaten start to 2022 by beating the British number one Cameron Norrie 6-4, 6-4 to win the Mexican Open. Nadal has won all three tournaments he's played this year. That includes his 21st Grand Slam title picked up at the Australian Open last month. Alina Svitolina says she plans to donate all prize money to aid efforts in her homeland and praised her fellow Ukrainian tennis player, Sergei Stakovsky, who has joined the military reserves. Coming back to, to Sergei, he's uh, such a brave man. He did so much and he's doing so much for our country. He's a really brave and courageous man. Uh, I have lots of respect for him. The Ukrainian Tennis Association has written to the International Tennis Federation seeking the expulsion of both Russia and Belarus from its tournaments. Taking a look at the weather. Uh, temperature right now, 21 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity, 51, 57%. That's the news from our THK.
Welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. Hope you've had a good and safe weekend. On the show today, my lockdown guest is Ray Alexander, who's been living in Hong Kong since 1992. And since the pandemic started, she has been in quarantine 